Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. week I was um on my hiking uh vacation I was in the woods um, sorry I didn't even I've completely forgot about that yeah no I should have um canceled the calendar invite but yeah I, I'm also terrible at remembering people's vacation like times it's hard to keep track of so yeah yeah exactly um that's fine I mean I um I had another call that came in as we were supposed to start anyway so um, I ended up dropping off, so it wasn't a big deal. Okay, good. Hope you weren't so, waiting too long. But yeah, no, no, no. I was, um, yeah, I was, uh, did a three day loop, 22 miles, um, just in state. Um, there's a lot of beautiful hikes in state, but, uh, no real mountains, but some nice hikes anyway. So, um, not 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 really a cell reception there, which is is nice because then I could unplug from work without, you know, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. Did you see anything nice? Was it very scenic? Yeah, it's um, it's a trail along a just a nice river, so there's a lot of views. Um, so the first day you sort of hike alongside the river and then the second day you're on bluffs where you can look down and see really pretty, you know, like oxbow bends and stuff like that. I think it'd be really pretty in the fall when the leaves start to turn. Um, yeah, yeah it's nice. Oh, brilliant. Do you take nice photos? Yeah, yeah, I did. And, um, and then we spent a few more days like canoeing and doing some other oh, stuff nice. like that. Yeah. It's just nice to be outside, you know, I've just been so, uh, I think we've all been really stuck in indoors a lot. Um, so spending so much time outside was great. A digital detox. Mm-hmm. A week wasn't enough for that, but <laughs> yeah, a mini detox. Yeah. It's so important. We were talking about this afternoon. We really feel like we need to go to the bush just to get out of, out of the grind because it becomes a bit repetitive you know like you wake up you do the same things every morning then you work the whole day and you're on the phone the whole day i mean the, the thing for me is i'm on the phone the whole day and that just kills me um so you really you really do want to have um you know a bit of nature and you know i love seeing animals so you know that's what i look forward to um but even not, even natural beauty is great. You know, there's a lot of science that says looking at natural beauty regenerates regenerates you. So. Yeah, I don't know why I've sort of been on this kick of thinking more about like um, how modern life conflicts with our, you know, Stone Age bodies. How evolutionarily, you know, we're still like pretty much the same as we were when, um, you know, before we had all of this technology. So we're not really built to cope with uh this kind of living and that like i think you know i think about it when hiking i guess because you know you're moving all day and if you're part of some you know 
when was the last time humans did that really to live? I guess it's, it's kind of silly, but it was on my mind just because there's something so satisfying, I think, about doing that. And I think part of it is just it like trigger something of like, yeah, this is what I was like. My body was built to walk long distances and um, it's like just feels nice, I guess. It's, it's hugely important. Um, and then I th- and you're right. I mean, as I hurt my ankle yesterday or on the weekend, and I've been really struggling. And uh, I went to see a physio and she said to me, you know, you shouldn't be standing those long hours. And I, and I, and I said, what should, what should I do? She said, no, you should be sitting. Um, down and I was about to say to her, well, I don't want to be sitting in a chair. It hurts my back. And she was, as you said, no, no, I don't mean sitting on a chair. I mean sitting on the floor with your bum against uh, the wall. So you're pulling, you're, you're pushing your legs out straight in front of you. So you really are stretching your hamstrings because when you, you know, as a, as a Neanderthal, whatever we were, you didn't have a chair unless it was a stump or just something on the floor. So, you know, that's your most natural position to stretch out. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. So, so I tried it today and it was quite funny because I could hardly get my, I couldn't get myself into this sort of right angle position because I'm a bit, a bit tight. But by the end of the, you know, sort of 20 minutes of doing that, it started to come right. I started to get to that 90 degree thing. And, and I sat there for about two hours and I actually didn't even realize that I had done it for, for, for that long until um, I lost feeling, feelings in my leg um, <laughs> from the lack of blood flow. So you obviously can't, you're not supposed to do any of these things for long periods. I think that's the lesson. But, but it was a good, a good thing to do. Um, so I'm, I'm now doing it as part of my routine. I have like an hour where I sit on the floor um, against the wall. Now I kind of want to try that today. <laughs> Just take yeah, the laptop down there. Well, because you, if you sit on the table, you end up hunching. Yeah, for point. sure. You, know, you, start, you start doing the Jurassic Park pose mm-hmm. uh, or the, dress, uh, the T-Rex pose, um, which is not good for you. And then you then you sort of do the whole stretch back, and that's usually when you hurt yourself. You're like, oh, no, you know, my back's on, you know, I hurt my back because um, you've, you've now gone too much one way and too much the other way. So... Um, I did read all the links you had sent, by the way, in the infographic. And then I had one other sort of small uh, kind of fun topic, I guess, that I okay. could just bring up at any time. So I can so start which, there. Which one? <laughs> or, yeah, I'll start with your one, yeah, because I can't remember what I sent you. I'm just looking at what I did send you. Yeah, no, it's not really like um, I haven't read any articles about this phenomenon yet. It's just something I've been observing, which is um, uh, remote worker TikToks or sort of other social media influencer um, accounts and posts. And um, I've started to engage with this stuff a little bit. So, of course, I'm being recommended more of it. And it's kind of it's so mundane, but there's like a satirical layer about it that is just so relatable. So it'll be things like um, you know, the six kind of ways that people sign off from meetings and, you know, it's a, something like a TikTok or an Instagram reels. It's very short. And, you know, you have the person who just like immediately doesn't say anything and just immediately clicks end. So they're gone. Someone who does like a protracted by someone who like waves a lot, just like different observations about like the weirdness of how we work. It, it, it is funny because I, I always look for who's the waiver because I'm a waiver. So cheers, see you later, bye. 
you know, or, or, you know, then, then you do get the people that um, just as you're about to end, want to say something else. Yes, that's one of the types. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm very quick. Five years, you know, press the lead button because if you really want to talk, we'll talk again. But because um, usually it's a, it starts another another 30 minute conversation. Yeah. Um, and you're already tired after the first conversation with, with usually a lot of people. So. Yeah, but there's I mean, there's a lot of accounts out there that this is just what they do and they're amassing large followings and, you know, they exist to like give observations on, uh, you know, humorous observations on corporate life. And I just think it's 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 interesting that we're in a place where I feel like we've had these work influencers, right, who are kind of more, um, you know, either they are experts in their field or they're very entrepreneurial, um, or they're like, you know, giving advice of some kind, but to have just kind of humor accounts to make fun of things like the Microsoft uh, Teams dial tone, um, <laughs> just speaks to like, I, I, and I think it's a, I think it's something that came out of, um, you know, remote work and the pandemic and, um, kind of caused these things to sprout up because of a lot of the, idiosyncrasies, I guess, of, uh, remote working. And it can be funny to, you know, you got your collar shirt up top, your pajama bottoms on. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of things like that, that lend really well to, um, humor. Oh, look, I think it's, I think, you know, I think it's a sanity thing too. I think we, we need that sanity because it, it can be a grind. And, um, you know, I, I noticed that, as well, you know, and I haven't, I don't do TikTok, so um, I haven't seen any of these videos, but, but you do, you do watch people to see what they do. And, and I think it's actually quite an important thing from a depression point of view, because, you know, I was talking to one guy on the phone the other day and, and through the conversation, he, he basically said it in as many words, he's lonely, you know, he, he's a single guy, he doesn't have, you know, he's not in a relationship with anyone. You know, sitting at home for a year in lockdown was not good for him. And the only way he could talk to people was, or he felt at least, was on the was on his sales calls. And um, you know, I you know, I don't, I don't even think about it because when I finish a call, I go talk to my family. I don't really, you know, I'm not alone. But even I had an episode where I just felt completely um, depressed. You know, it was like it was like the darkness had come in, and I just couldn't see the end. Um, of the darkness um, and I put that down to being you know with COVID locked up for two weeks and then recovering from it you know I wasn't going out as, at all I was basically in my little complex walking around so I wasn't getting stimulated by new people it was the same people and you know some I, I, you know, I'm one of those people that needs to be out and about and you know so so I booked myself to go and see friends for lunch and, and all the rest of that and that instantly picks the mood up um, so, so I think the humor is good uh, but I think it might be look, worth looking at the under, underlying negativity too um, look I don't think you can do as many naps as you do when you work from home in the office depending on your culture I suppose yeah. yeah I've seen that office furniture that has like nap pods and stuff but I like how many places really have that maybe like the big tech companies but then like I, I'm very curious how that ends up getting used because, you know, if you're the person who 
goes and takes a hour nap every day. You know, what do people think of you or what's your boss think or whatever? Well, well, I think that's the big problem is, is, is there's a, a stigma with doing that. But, but I can tell you, you know, I've noticed since I've been back in here, so I don't have that nap that I used to have back in the UK. I used to take a 10 minute, 20 minute meditation nap, usually around three o'clock and it's in my diary, but I don't know if it's the weather here or what, but I, I just, when I go down to do it, I just don't have the, I'm not tired, so I don't do it. Um, so I get bored, not I get bored, but, I, but I'm starting the process and then I just kick up and say, you know, you know what, I'd rather go and do something. And I, think, and I, and I don't know what it is. Um, but in the UK, I was doing it quite a lot. And, you know, that, that second part of the day was so productive because I'd taken that break. Um, and I'm still productive here. That's what I'm finding so weird. It might be the sunlight. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I've worked in, in businesses where, you know, you, gotta be, you don't have the time between meetings to go to the bathroom, eat lunch, let alone go have a nap somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I hope that's changed. I hope, I hope people have been, become a bit more respective of people needing a break. And, um, you know, you need, you need to protect your, protect your time. Uh, I mean, even today, it's been another day of back to back to back to back. Um, thankfully, after our meeting, I've got half an hour off, um, which I'm going for a walk in the sun. So if anyone needs me, they can phone me while I walk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I guess, coming back to the, um, you know, sort of some of the negative sides or, yeah, I, I think that why the humor of those accounts works so well is because a lot of this is just like, slogging through the day so to bring some levity to it to make fun of these situations and then to know that other people are so many other people are experiencing these same things um is uh, i think it brings some relief but um yeah and the break element i think um i'm i'm bad at this so i can't really offer advice but um i think giving yourself permission to take a break and not feeling any guilt over it is so important. Um, but you really have to be protective of your own time in that way, which can be hard depending on, you know, the expectations put upon you, your, you know, level in the organization, in your career. Um, but you have to do it because, yeah, it's a recipe for burnout and dissatisfaction and just not even like physically taking care of yourself at all. Oh, well, that's, that's it exactly. And, and I, mean, I think we've talked through this before. And that's where this infographic that I sent you, the, the evolution of the employee, I think is so, so true. Um, you know, we, we, we're almost brute force trained that you've always got to be on and working and, and, you know, in this, in this infographic, it's, it's, you've got to work nine to five, whereas you should be able to work, not necessarily when it suits you, but, but if you want to spread your work out through the day, that should be okay, provided you are not a, a hindrance to, to other work. Um, and also a lot of these old behaviors are, are related to a sort of hierarchical structure where, you know, if you don't do these things, you're not considered for promotion, you don't get your bonus, you know, it's, it's very much a, a stick more than a carrot um, way of working, which, you know, when I, when I look at the sort of positives, you know, you, you create your own ladder, you, you focus on outputs, not putting hours in, um, using any device, um, you know, you, you, you define your own career trajectory, you, you're a leader because you choose to be a leader, not because you put in a position to be a leader, you know, those sorts of things. 
and and you know mental health and, and physical health are, are two important pillars of that. And you know my you know I've worked with bosses that that work. 15 hour days and they get upset when you don't work 15 hour days and you're like, but I've got kids and, you know, I also want to go to gym and I also want to have a hobby. And, and, you know, it, it, that's almost treated like when you're not serious about work or you, you're, you're here for a lifestyle of work. And it's, it's not that at all. It's you want balance in, in what you do. And I mean, I think Elon Musk said it best. If I give you a year to do it, it'll take a year. Well, what can you do if I give you three, three months or, or three days, you, you know, you'll get the same, You'll be a lot more focused and you'll deliver the same stuff. A lot of these organizations I've worked in, the, the time to deliver is so long. It, you've got the time um, to do it anyway, but you could compress it if you've got less time because you, you don't don't waste as much time. And I mean, I've sat with people that waste a lot of time and then they're always under pressure with their deadlines. Um, whereas if, you, if you're a bit more balanced, you know you've only got six hours of work to do today. You'll do the six hours at, at, at a very hard pace because you're trying to make space for the other things. Whereas, you know, you can expand your time and do less, do the same amount of work, but you're not getting the other benefits. Sorry, I don't know if that made any sense, but. Um, no, it, it did. <laughs> yeah, no, the kind of like the, the um, you know, work filling the container that you have for it. I think there's obviously like, limits to that. Um, you know, you couldn't do like a whole plan, a whole, um, plan and create a whole presentation and PowerPoint that looks really nice in like 20 minutes. But, um, I think there is definitely, um, you know, I'm a procrastinator. So if I don't think about things sort of in that way, um, to an extent, then things will just, kind of shuffle. But well, look, procrastination is normal. And 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 I think this is the this is kind of the point is that you know during the workday it's very easy to get caught up in in the the reaction action stuff. So you know you get pulled into a meeting and because you're on Teams and Slack and, and whatever, there's always something going on. So you're always you're always on it and you're always connected. Um, but to do the actual deep work or the brain work, to do that PowerPoint presentation, you know, you need to almost, you need to disconnect from all those things. And, and sometimes the only time to disconnect from all those things is when, when everyone else is asleep. Um, you know, if I want to write a document, I definitely get up at four o'clock in the morning and write it at that point. Um, or I, I wait for the kids to go to sleep and then I'll, I'll work on it then. You know, no matter how tired I am, you, you know, the, the first, the first step is always hard, but once you get into it, that's the best time because there is no distractions. Um, and that's and that's where this nine to five mentality doesn't work because if you've already put your eight hours in, in theory, you shouldn't have to put more in that day, according to you know your contract or whatever it is. But if you are outputs focused, then you manage your own time, and you know that procrastination is is not that it's there because it's always going to be that's a human behavior by default. We are designed that way. But you can find that the time that, that suits it. And look, the motivation isn't always there either. It's not It's not a magic thing. I mean, my wife and I argue about this all the time. She doesn't want to write a piece of content because she doesn't feel like it right now. And I'll say, you're never going to feel like it ever. But the minute you start, you'll get into it, then you'll feel like it. You know, it's, it's one of those weird things. We always think we need to be in the mood to do it, but actually you can create the mood by doing it. And, and that's the same thing. So, so you... You know the balance is is you know trying to trying to not be 
a workaholic. It's working, you know, balancing your work between the right things at the right time. I think that's really what I'm trying to summarize. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember the the name of the method, but, you know, just starting something, like giving yourself, you know, I only need to do this thing for five minutes. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll start for five minutes and that's all you really needed to uh, get in the groove. Some It doesn't always work, I don't think, if you're like super resistant or just not like something's going on and, you know, you're not in the right space for it. But um, it getting started, you know, is often the hardest part. Yeah, there is a there is a there is a medical thing for it, and I can't remember what it's called either. There's there's someone that, that did. I'm sure it's like atomic tasks or something. Um, but it's it, it's it's also breaking up you know big things into small things because often the reason why you don't start something is because you think I'm oh, it's like me wanting to write a book. And every time I think about writing a book, I start, you know, my brain starts going into how difficult it's going to be and whatever. And I'm just going to remind myself that actually you've already got all the content because you've written it already. You're just going to now go and do a little bit on it every day. Um, and that's and that's sort of the, the trick is to keep breaking into small pieces um, to do a little bit every day. So you have a, have a routine on it. Then it becomes, you know, second nature. Um, yeah, I can't remember what the, what the methodology is called either. Yeah, but I think um, it's interesting. A, a lot of these things that we've been discussing, it's like, um, you know, employees, individuals are sort of left to figure these things out for themselves and everyone's sort of inventing their own way, um, which is kind of silly to an extent because it's not like we haven't done knowledge work for a long time. And, you know, there are ways to like, um, think about project management, but there's not a lot of, you know, it's not something you get in school. Obviously you have to like learn the rhythms of homework and testing and everything, but it just seems like something that corporations could potentially, um, save themselves a lot of productivity on. Yeah. Well, well remember that the, that the, the average corporate employee is, is taught, and this even goes back to the school example you're, you're suggesting too, you're taught to be told what to do, and you're taught to follow someone else's schedule, and and you're taught to answer the questions that you're given, and, and those are all very bad ways of teaching someone, because, you know, and, and this is where you have the rebels who, who don't like that and they, and they get called rebels, they get in trouble because they don't want to follow the schedule, they don't want to be told what to do, and they also don't want to answer just the questions you give, but they also want to ask questions and get those answered. And that's and that's the mental shift we need to go through. So a lot of the things that you're, just, you're going through there is, well, you're saying, is, is the old corporate mentality where, you know, if you think about it, the old way to get promoted was to be the one who had all the information and could one-up everyone else because you had it and no one else had it. Um, you know, it's a very oversimplification of it, but it, it is the political thing. A power um, play, yeah. It, it's all about power. And there's a very good book by Richard Green called um, The Laws of Power, something like that. Um, and he goes through plenty of examples. And, it, and it's all, you know, backed up by history of, of, you know, Genghis Khan did this to do that, and this is the power play and all the rest of it. And, and what... What really needs to happen is what you're saying is that we're, we're a networked organization now. And, and I mean that in the sense that, you know, even though you and I don't work for the same company, you know, we share information all the time. 
which we share with a whole bunch of people that, that listen to us, and thank you for listening, um, who potentially share it with someone else. So, so we're always open to share, which means we get more information, which, we, which, which feeds itself. Um, and when you, work at, when you work at your own organization, the best way to, to, to be um, recognized and to be accepted now is to buy, be someone who's open, who shares, who's friendly, that's honest, that's authentic. Because there's there's too much, um, and I'm trying to trying to word this in the, in the nicest way. But by hoarding things, you create a negative vibe. By by being open about it, you 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 create a good vibe. And even if you give away an idea, there's no good. There's no. It doesn't mean that you lose the idea, but you but you benefit more because someone will take your idea and add something to it. And then they may take it further, and you may, yeah, you might not commercially make money out of it because someone, you know, took the idea and did something with it. But, but there was no guarantee that if you held on to the idea, you were going to take it and make something of it either. Um, if you know what I mean, like, you know, my wife always gives me shit when I when I don't get people to sign NDA for, for something that I'm thinking about, and I say, well, sometimes I don't really care about the idea. Like, it's a good idea, it's an idea, but I don't want to invest my next ten years working on it. But if I give it to Joe, Joe Bloggs and Joe Soap and whoever, and they take it and they, and they do something with it, then fantastic. Because she goes, yeah, but then you don't make any money out of it. I said, well, you know, they had to put the effort in and they make the money. Um, and maybe the idea doesn't work. And then they waste their time and it doesn't work. You know, so either way, you know, it, it, but by holding on to it, you know, then you, then you don't create a good vibe on it. So you don't work on it either anyway, because there's always something else you've got to work on. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, those knowledge silos are so interesting. <laughs> They're so, um, I'm always sort of taken aback a little bit when I come up against them or like there's, um, some piece of information that does feel like it's hoarded and it's like, why, why, why isn't this just out there in a team wiki or whatever? Well, if you think about, um, I mean, I, I have many examples of this, but, you know, you've got you've got a sales organizer. I'll tell you one of the things I'm going through at the moment. So, so we are uh, arguing with our medical insurance company about something. Now, the new business side, part of the same company, has no access to our medical history on the claim side. So, when they signed us up, they didn't check any of our claims previously. Now, we've been with this company. You know, my wife been with them since she was born. Till we moved to the UK. When we moved to the UK, we joined them there as another. It's another business, and now that we've been back in South Africa, we've joined them again. So you know, the, the, we've been very loyal to them. And when you fill in the forms to join them, you're supposed to stipulate all the things that you've had. Now we did. We stipulated as much as we can remember. We didn't tick one box. This is what the argument's about. We didn't tick this one box, and the argument with us. And, and our argument is, well, you've got all our history. Why do we even need to tick the box? Why do we even need to fill in the form again? Yes, we need to fill in the form for the period of time we're out of the country because I get there's a, there's, a, there's a legal requirement for that. But because you've already got the information, you should already be bringing that into, into, this, into the discussion because you've already signed all the forms that give you access to information. So, so we almost expect you as the service provider to, to have, have an enriched service because you have all the information. Yet you're asking, you're asking us to, to provide our information, expecting us to, to be more accurate than you. And, and, I mean, the average human, in fact, let's be honest, all humans have got the, haven't got great memories for every single thing they've ever had done to them medically. 
you know, we, we were joking about how, you know, can you remember what happened to you when you were three years old? You know, because your parents may not remember either. And the medical records in those days were on pen and paper. They were not on, you know, honestly, I mean, I was born in the 80s. There was, there was computers that just started coming out as personal computers. So, so there was a guarantee my doctor didn't have one. Uh, I mean, TV only came into to fruition in the 80s in South Africa, so or late late 70s. Um, and, and it's that thing. It's, it's just um, there's a level of um, what's the word openness that's required. Mm. You, know, you made a, like when we did the application. You made the mistake. We've picked it up in our records. Is this still correct? And you say yes. Oh, sorry. Thanks for picking it up. You know write that into our exclusions and then it's fine but instead it's, it's become this nasty mess because this these two silos don't talk to each other yeah and it's such a obvious thing where they should talk to each other especially as 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 me as the as the, the subject of that question or in fact it's cursed to my wife has already given them permission to do it so so legally they are they are granted the, the permission to do it, but they're two separate business units and they will not talk to each other. So you, they, they, one talks to you and then you talk to the other one and, and this is how it works. And it's just crazy. It just creates such a poor experience. Yeah, that seems like just so un, uh, unnecessarily painful way to go about it. If they're going to call you out on it anyway, because they could figure it out, it's like, well, then why didn't you just do it? Yeah, it's it's a lot to be expected to remember your own entire medical history. And a lot of people, you know, might not have the the education or yeah great memories or whatever circumstance to do that super accurately well, or remember everything. I, I, I'll be honest. I've got a I've got a spreadsheet notion of all the things that that I can remember. You know, I kind of keep track of it a little bit. But it, it's for no other reason than I happen to be getting. I happen to wanted to do it for a for a thing to see what it would look like in a in a list. I haven't. You know, it's it's not it's got it's got no real reason. So when it came to filling in my stuff, it was quite easy. I was like tick tick tick. Yeah, I've done that. But Kirsten doesn't remember. And in fact, we've got a crate back in the UK. I mean, the crate is massive, full of all her files, because her files are that thick. And I said to the guy on the phone, I said, listen, I'm not in, I'm not in my home right now. I'm renting a house in another country. We're just here for, for an extended holiday. You know, basically we're stuck here. So if you actually wanted my full medical history, I'd have to, I'd have to ship the whole crate here to go through it because it's not digitized. And he said, well, and then it was kind of this, well, why didn't you do that? Because we need this for your form. And I'm thinking, you know, that would, you know, to sign up your medical insurance to do that, it just, it's it's illogical considering you've got all the information in the claim site. The data's there because you've got a 10-year requirement to store it, plus other legislation. So it's, it is just bizarre. And that's and that's a great example of what the average corporate is like. You know, one, one tower doesn't talk to another tower because it's, it's got all this um, rigmarole that's been put in between. It's actually probably no longer relevant anyway, but we've always done it that way, so we won't change it. Yep, that inertia, that inertia to change um, from the legacy behaviors uh, can take a lot to overcome. The bigger, yeah. and I imagine, I've never worked for a large corporate, but I imagine there's just more of that, the bigger the, the company. Yeah, I, I can't remember who gave you the stat, but any, when the minute you go over a thousand people, then every every person you hire over that amount is to keep the business running. It's admin for the business. It's not to to generate more value, um, which is a scary thought when you think of. I mean, I've worked in, in businesses of 130,000, 100, you know, 450,000. Um, 
Okay, probably that, that thousand mark is slightly different in those sizes, but it's still a lot of people hired to keep the business in place, not to actually do value for the customer. Yeah. So anyway, I do need to go. I want Same to get here. a walk in before okay. next meeting. Yep. So good to catch up and yep. I will chat the next week. Sounds good. Okay, enjoy your rock. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.